1: Privilege of being uh, one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, And this morning I'm honored uh, to bring to you God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May He add His blessing to it. There are going to be times in your life when you don't know what to do. When the answer is not clear, when the next step that you need to take is not obvious when all the options that are on the table come with a great cost. And so the cost of picking any of those options seems like a mistake. Again, there's going to be times in your life when you don't know what to do. My wife and I faced just such an occasion almost 10 years ago now. We were in the hospital and uh, we were there. It was um, actually six weeks before our first daughter was supposed to be born, and the doctors gave us two options, and both of those options seemed like a mistake. Both of those options were kind of non-options. Uh, she had a disease called preeclampsia, and essentially there's really no real cure to the disease. Um, it's kind of where the woman's body is kind of rejecting the pregnancy. And so option one was to induce labor, uh, but that early in pregnancy ran a great risk of losing our daughter. Option two was to continue with the pregnancy, putting uh, my wife at great risk. Uh, Her major organs had begun to shut down, and so the choice was between my daughter and my wife. What do you do? There's going to be times in your life when you simply don't know what to do. By God's grace, that story has a happy ending. Our oldest daughter came out kicking and screaming, and really hasn't slowed down since. And uh, Chelsea has recovered. But in that moment, in that moment, I, I I remember I remember the doctor giving us those two options, and leaving the room. And I remember grabbing her hand and kneeling on the hospital floor and crying out to God because we did not know what to do as a pastor. Um, I'm asked to counsel people, usually in these times of great crisis and times of sickness and death of a loved one when there is a miscarriage or infertility or thoughts of suicide, and I'm asked, pastor, what do I do? And full disclosure, there are many, many times where I do not know what to tell them to do. This is why this morning's passage is so incredibly important. This is why this morning's passage brings us such great hope because it says if anyone, if anyone lacks wisdom, Let him ask God who gives generously to all. Don't don't, don't you see in those moments, in those times where we don't know what to do, God says, I know what to do and I want to tell you. I want to be there for you. I want to help you along in this time of crisis. This is why this passage is so important. Our perspective on crisis, in crisis, in our suffering and painful situations is incredibly limited. We cannot see every single angle. We cannot understand the scope of the decisions that we make in those times of crisis, but God understands, God does, and he is saying in his word that he is eager to give us wisdom. So he knows what we need to do when we do not know what we need to do. Here's what I want to do quickly. I want to go over what we saw last week in our text. I want to talk about uh, what James is saying to us, and then I want to make the connection to our text this morning. So a quick recap of what we saw last week, and then I want to show you the connection between joy in suffering and asking for wisdom. Can we do that, church family? So what we saw last week is James is telling us to have joy in suffering, It sounds so counterintuitive to to have joy in suffering because the natural reaction of us all in times of suffering is sorrow. Now, what, what we pointed out last week in the text, if you'll just let your eyes glance over to it in verse two, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He's not saying that joy is the only emotion that you are allowed to have, right? So in times of suffering, only joy, just be happy about it. That's, of course, that's not what he's saying at all. But what he's saying is, is the Christian has a unique perspective to have joy with sorrow. Not sorrow upon sorrow, but, but sorrow mingled with joy is what James was saying. And the reason that he was saying that is because James insists that God uses our suffering for his glory and for our good. That suffering actually shapes us and molds us into the image of Christ. So if you're taking notes, God is sovereign over our suffering. He not only allows it to take place, he uses it for our good and for his glory. So during times of suffering, during times of crisis, the Christian has a unique perspective to where he can have uh, joy in times of suffering, knowing that God is sovereign, knowing that God loves us, knowing that God is using that pain, knowing that God is using that suffering to shape us and mold us, and that every moment of our suffering, none of it goes to waste, because God is using it. That's, that's what we saw Last week, James is saying God is going to use that pain. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. Again, James is writing to a suffering people, is he not? These people that James is writing to, they have been persecuted for their faith, and they've been driven out of where they lived. They've had to leave their homes, leave their livelihoods, leave their jobs, leave their possessions, and they've been displaced to somewhere else, and now they're just trying to survive. That's the people that that James is writing to, and he is insisting to them that the suffering that they are experiencing, God is using, and that they can have joy during their suffering. That's the recap from last week. Now, let's do this. Let's connect it because I want you to see that there is a connection between you can have joy in suffering and asking God for wisdom. Here's how it connects. If you are having hard times, if you're having uh, these types of sufferings, Is it easy or difficult to believe that God is actually still in control? So, if you are suffering, if there is a painful situation, if you're experiencing crisis, is it easy or difficult to believe that God is still in control, that God still loves you, that God has not forsaken you? Is it easy or difficult? Difficult. It is, it is difficult to believe that God is still in control. It is difficult to believe that God has not forsaken. It's, it's, it's hard. And so what James is saying is he continues this thought. He says, if you're having trouble believing that you can have joy in suffering because God is using your suffering, if you're having difficulty believing that, ask for wisdom. So he he actually connects it with the word lack. I want let's let's get into the text. Look at it. So he so look at the end of the section. Uh, He says, verse four, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Verse five, if anyone lacks, see the connection. He, he's connecting these two things together. He, he's letting you know that you're not the only one who struggles to believe that God is still in control when you're in crisis mode. Right. <laughs> help, help me today, God, okay? So, so he's letting you know that you're not alone in, when you are in pain and suffering and in crisis mode. You, in your heart, you're thinking, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? And he says, ask for wisdom so that you may be complete, complete and lacking in nothing if anyone lacks wisdom, let, let him ask God. So that, that's the connection. Let me go ahead and just give you the whole sermon uh, in, in, in a sentence because I want us to get into our text. Here's the big idea. If you're just one, one main point for the whole sermon, here it is. Your hope in times of crisis is not that you will provide the solution, but in God who gives wisdom. Your hope in times of crisis is not that you will provide the solution, but in God who gives wisdom. Meaning this, you don't have all the answers. You don't need to have all of the answers. Meaning this, the pressure is off. Don't you see what this text means this morning? Everybody in the room can just take a deep breath and let it out because the pressure is off of you because this text is telling us to ask God and God wants to give us wisdom to the crisis that we are facing. You have nothing to prove. The pressure is off. Your hope in life is not that you will get it right. Right? God, I feel like that all the time. I feel pressure on me in situations to get it right. You got to get it right. You got to say the right thing. You got to do the right thing. You have to have the answer, right? Wrong. You don't have to have the answer. Because God has the answer. Your hope is not that you will figure it out. At any moment in your time of need, you can reach out to him, the God of infinite wisdom, because he is near. He will give you the wisdom. He will tell you what to do. Just let that wash over you this morning and relieve you of fear and anxiety and uncertainty and doubt. Just let it go. Do what Elsa does. Let it go. Hashtag I'm a girl dad. Now, God's word is going to set somebody free this morning. Somebody in here is facing an impossible situation. I know some of the situations that some of y'all are facing, and they seem impossible, but this text can set you free because God wants to give you the wisdom that you need to make the decisions that you have to make. Amen? Amen. That's the sermon. I'm done preaching. So what I need to do now is get to the text so we can work through it so that you know uh, that what I just said is actually in there, amen? So we need to get to the word of God. I'm looking at verse five, are y'all with me? Verse five says this, if any of you, let's stop there. If any of you, is, is James imagining two groups in his mind? A group over here and they have all the wisdom that they need to make all of the tough decisions in times of crisis. And then there's this group over here in James's mind that they actually lack wisdom and they are the ones that need to ask. Well, certainly not. <laughs> so, certainly not. James is being pastoral. <laughs> James is being nice. He, uh, he's, he's letting them know, <clears throat> hey, we, we all, uh, all of us, if any of you at that point, everyone in the room goes, oh, it's me. I'm I'm lacking wisdom. I I need for God to send his spirit in a powerful way to rest upon my heart and my mind to give me guidance in the decisions that I need to make. That's, That's everyone. If any of you lacks wisdom, we all, every single one of us, lacks wisdom. So this verse, okay, this verse is not for the person, it's not only for the person that you're thinking about in your mind, who last week made some really terrible life choices, right? So you, you, some of y'all are already thinking about somebody who lacks wisdom. This verse is not only for them. This verse is for you, and this verse is for me, because all of us lack wisdom. I'll write this down. The first step on the pathway to wisdom is seeing your need for it. If you're going to ask God for wisdom, it begins with seeing that you lack the wisdom that you need. You lack the wisdom that you need in your time of crisis, in your time of suffering, in your time of pain, you're going to need to make some really important decisions that are not only gonna affect your life but affect the life of your family, and in those times, you need wisdom. You do not have in yourself what it is that you need. You need an alien wisdom. Right. You see, a, a, a wisdom uh, that, that is uh, not of this world, uh, a, a wisdom that is out of this world. Help me today. It is impossible to be arrogant and wise at the same time. <laughs> right? It's impossible to be arrogant and wise at the same time. It is not possible. You have to begin by seeing your need for wisdom so that you can Ask for wisdom again. This is, it is a, there is a huge sense of arrogance to saying and believing that God cannot and does not use our suffering for His good, or for His glory, and for our good. Why is that arrogant? Well, because He is God and you are not. And who are you to say that what He says is not true? So you cannot be arrogant and wise at the same time. Listen to what King Solomon. You guys know King Solomon. Here's what he. I mean, you probably don't know him personally, but you might know him from the Bible. Listen to what King Solomon has to say when he's praying and asking God for wisdom. 1 Kings 3.9 says this, Give your servant, therefore, I love this, an understanding mind. Yeah. Solomon asks God for an understanding mind to govern your people that I may, look at this word, discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this your great people. Solomon could have asked God for anything he wanted to, but he asked God for an understanding mind, the ability to discern between good and evil. Why? Why did he ask for that? Did you see at the very end of 1 Kings 3:9, did you see he says for who is able to govern this, your great people? He's saying to God, I can't be king. I can't govern these people unless you help me. King Solomon begins with, with this sense of humility so that he can be wise. So he, he begins with, with humility. Again, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom. What is it? We haven't given a definition for it yet. We probably ought to do that, don't you think? Well, let's begin with two things that it is not. First, wisdom is not a list of rules, okay? Wisdom is, it's, it's not a list of rules. Here is why it cannot be. Wisdom cannot be a list of rules because no one list will ever be comprehensive enough. M- meaning, when you are in crisis, meaning when you are suffering, when you are in pain, when you're facing a difficult situation, It's multifaceted, is it not? There's so many little details that are in there. There's so many feelings that are wrapped up in it. There's different people that are involved. You got so much junk from your past that's like weighing in on that thing. And so a simple set of rules can never comprehensively address the complicated problems and situations that you face. So it's not a list of rules. Wisdom is not a list of rules. Second, wisdom is not knowledge. <laughs> wisdom is not knowledge, meaning you can have all kind of letters behind your name. You, you can have gone to school, you can have written a book, you can do the lectures and still make really, 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 really really bad life choices. Y'all, y'all know, I mean, not y'all, but y'all know people, y'all know somebody who is like uber smart, yet their life is in shambles because wisdom is not knowledge. Well, what is it? So I had like several, several, several definitions, and I was only gonna give you one, and then I changed my mind, and I was gonna give you all the definitions, okay? Be- because, because wisdom is, it's very comprehensive, and so I wanna look at what wisdom is from several different angles. Can we do that, church family? Okay, first is this. Wisdom is knowing the will of God in any given situation, which leads you to a practical direction on how you should live. Okay, so it's, it's knowing what God wants you to do. Like, the, in this very complicated, very difficult, painful situation, I know what God wants me to do. And I know the next steps that I need to take in order to execute what God wants me to do in this difficult situation. That's wisdom. If you got that, God gave that to you. Amen. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. That's wisdom from on high. Did you see that verse that we just read from 1 Kings 3, 9? Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern. He's discerning between good and evil. He's he's praying and asking for wisdom. And the direct result is he's able to discern between good and evil. He's taking knowledge from God and deciding what the next step is. Do you see that in, in that verse? How about this? Here's another definition. Wisdom is the information God supplies put into action. That's that's a little bit simpler, right? It's it's the wisdom is the information God supplies put into action. So how does God supply us wisdom? Well, he gives us wisdom in his word. Amen. So it's taking God's word and, and putting it into action. That's wisdom. We, we here at Gospel Community Church, we are uh, continuationists. If you want to know more about that, go back and listen to our First Corinthians series. We're continuationists, so we believe that God still speaks to us today. Amen? We, now, we, we take what we hear from God. It sits under the written word of God. Amen? But we believe God speaks to us today. Um, so God can speak to us and, and teach us and tell us through the power of his spirit what we need to do in a particular Painful situation. Uh, In addition, other brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Other brothers and sisters in Christ giving us advice. They they may be filled with the Spirit in order to give you the advice that you need for that difficult particular situation. So wisdom is the information God supplies through his word, through special revelation, through other brothers and sisters in Christ, put into action. How about Proverbs 9.10? It says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This fear of the Lord spoken of in Proverbs is not fear as in terror. It's it's not fear as in hiding under the bed, but it's fear as in reverence, meaning I I am reverence before God. I give God reverence. I I am humbled before him, and whatever God says to do, I will do. That, That is that is wisdom. How about this? Wisdom is knowing how to live God's way in God's world. Wisdom is knowing how to live God's way in God's world. You see, the the, the opposite of that is denying God's way and living the way that you want to live. The, a, a sinful path or a, a sinful life, which sin makes us foolish, does it not? Sin makes us Foolish. Because of our own sinful desires, we may decide to throw away our marriage because our spouse is not meeting our needs. A, a sinful desire makes us foolish. Sinful desires will call us to cause us to spend ourselves into thousands of dollars worth of debt. Sinful desires will cause us to eat our way into a very unhealthy lifestyle. Sinful desires will cause us to cut off close friends because they won't affirm your sin. And wisdom helps us see the foolishness of sin. Okay, just me today. Now, listen to the Apostle Paul's definition of wisdom from 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 8. Listen to what he says. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. He he just got done saying, uh, when I came to preach to y'all, I wasn't preaching real wise words. And then he shifts gears here. And the Apostle Paul says, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart. Listen, he's defining what wisdom is for us. Look at it. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for for our glory none of the rulers of this age understood this for they if they had they would not have crucified the lord of glory did you get the definition for wisdom in there <laughs> what church family was decreed By God the Father before the ages, what was it that God the Father said that his son was gonna do empowered by the Holy Spirit? Well, he saw and knew that we were going to fall into sin, that we were going to be trapped, that we were gonna be cut off, that we were gonna be far away from him. And so in eternity past, God the Father decreed that Jesus Christ would come and he would live a perfect life, the life that we could not live. And he would die the death that we should have died in our place, for our sins, and on the third day, he would resurrect from the grave, proving and showing that he paid our sin debt. That's the gospel, church family. So if if you're taking notes, wisdom is seeing every situation clearly through the lens of the gospel. That's what wisdom is. It's applying the truth of the gospel to every situation in our life. It's seeing the world with gospel eyes. It's listening to other people with gospel ears. It's asking questions like this. How does Jesus' sacrificial death inform the choices I will make when I am faced with my family drama? Oh, oh y'all got family drama? I got, I got all kinds of it. I, I could be up here all day telling you about it, but I'm not going to do that. But it's asking that question of how does Jesus' sacrificial death affect the choices that I make when I'm facing difficulties in my marriage, difficulties in my finance. That's wisdom. That's what wisdom is. Well, we haven't gotten very far in our text. I reckon we should get back to it. So verse 5, which we're still in. We probably need to hurry this along. Verse 5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all, without reproach, and it will be given to him. The, the call from the text is that we should ask God. We should ask God, who, who loves to give. It says he gives generously to all. The, I mean, those, those two things combined are, are, are so empowering and should give us so much hope because God is not giving you wisdom because you did him a favor. God does not give you wisdom because he's expecting you to do something for him later on. No, no. He gives you wisdom generously. And who does he give it to? Generously to some really holy, sanctified people who pray and do their morning devotions and read their Bible and go to church and tithe. And... No, no, It says generously to all meaning he doesn't pick favorites meaning we are his children and he loves all of his children he gives generously because he's a generous god and he gives it to all to everybody look look at this without reproach without without reproach i mean this is meaning he does not remind us of our past failures When we come to him and ask him for wisdom, uh, when we say, God, I have no idea what to do. Would you please send your Holy Spirit with some gospel wisdom to help me? God does not respond. Oh, now you come around asking for wisdom. I mean, last week, you totally blew it. You should have asked me for wisdom last week when you were in that difficult situation, and you wouldn't have embarrassed yourself in front of all your coworkers if you would have just come and asked me for wisdom. And now here you are. Holy Spirit, are you getting this guy? Can you believe it? Without reproach. Generously to all without reproach. This, this is incredible. This, this should again wash over us and let us know that the pressure is off of us. That God is eager and, and desires to give us the answers that we're searching for in the midst of our crisis. Now what what he says next cuz we're still not even out of verse 5. I'm in big trouble. Here we go. And it will be given. That is a rock solid foundational promise from the word of God. And God keeps his promises. He'll give it. He will. It says it right there. He will do it. As a matter of fact, it sounds like verse five sounds like that James has taken a page out of big brother Jesus's sermon notes. Does it not? Listen to Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given to you. That's the promise. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and to the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened i mean james is like what what you got over there in them sermon notes big brother jesus oh that's good i'm i'm going to use that right he he's he's simply saying What Jesus has said. This this is a promise from Jesus. This is James restating that promise from Jesus. So church family, we need to circle this word will. We need to underline it, highlight it, because this word will is a promise. If you're taking notes, you do not have to come up with a solution to your impossible situation. You don't have to. You don't have to come up with a solution. You don't. The promise is here from the word of God. God promises to give you wisdom, we need to praise him for this and thank him and be grateful that he's eager to give us wisdom. Verse six, but, oh, that's scary. I don't like that. Okay, let's just pray and be done. Lord, (laughs) Um, so, so we have to ask in a certain way. He's eager to give you wisdom. He wants to give you wisdom. He desires to generously pour wisdom out to everyone without reproach. But there's a way in which we need to ask. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Now, face value, this is really disturbing, is it not? This is scary. This... This kind of, like, it almost, like, just cancels out the whole front of the sermon, right? Like, the, the whole front of the sermon, you know, just, you know, don't, don't put that on the podcast. So just reading this at face value is very troubling. Again, have you ever doubted God's promises? Okay, you ever doubted God's promises? Have you ever felt like God is not listening? Have you ever got done praying a prayer and immediately in your heart thought, that was a waste of time? Guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of all of that. So the problem is, is that just a plain reading of this means God ain't never going to give nobody wisdom. That's how you know I'm from the South, because I said ain't never going to give, <laughs> ain't never going to give nobody, right? But that's a problem. So so God, ask God for wisdom, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. So the only way to get wisdom is if you ask God in faith with zero zilch, no doubting at all. Is that what James means. Let me make a case for why James does not mean if you have any degree of doubt, your prayers will not be answered. Okay, let me make a case for that. And, and you, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You can decide if I'm right or if I'm wrong. So again, let me make a case for why James does not mean if you have any degree of doubt, your prayers will not be answered. First, James is a, the book of James is a sermon in letter form. It's a sermon in letter form. Meaning this, James is giving us the bullet points of his sermon without necessarily fleshing out everything that he means around that, right? James is rapid fire. He gives you the statement, moves on. Gives you the statement, moves on without giving it nuance, w- w- without explaining it further. Second, what Christian does not have doubts? <laughs> James himself was sure Jesus's brother, But James was not perfect, right? He's a fallible human, meaning he had doubts, okay? So for those two reasons, I think if we were to ask James, if James, uh, you know, hey, man, is this what you mean? I think he would flesh it out for us. So if James does not mean if you have any degree of doubt, your prayer for wisdom will not be answered, what does he mean? I think he means this. If you're taking notes, don't ask for wisdom with a heart that actually wants God to affirm what he clearly said was sin. You ever done that? <laughs> so don't go to God in prayer asking for wisdom in a situation to where you know it's sin, but you're wanting God to affirm it anyway. Don't don't pray that because God's, He's he's, he's not into that. In addition, don't ask for wisdom with a heart that actually wants him to affirm what he already said no to. So sometimes it's not sin, but God just closed that door. Door's closed. God does not want you to go through that door. But you're going to God in prayer, begging him to open the door that he clearly closed. Door's closed. Already closed it. Don't ask me for wisdom. It's pretty clear. See it? Door's closed. No. Or how about this one? Don't ask for wisdom when your life is clearly outside of the wisdom God has revealed in his word. Don't don't go asking for wisdom when you're living a double life. A a, a life that that dresses up nice uh, on Sunday morning and says, Hey brother, how are you? Good morning. Good to see you. Hands raised. Oh, God, praise him. And, And then you live a totally different way outside of a Sunday service. Your, your life is, is going down a totally different path than what God has laid out in, in his word. That, that's, that's what he's saying. That's the type of doubt that he's talking about. He's talking about a person with one foot in and one foot out, meaning they claim to be a Christian, yet they live uh, a, a, a totally different type of lifestyle. You have to remember, James is the faith without works is dead guy. So he wants your life to be matching up with what it is that you say you believe. That's what he is saying. James is the show me your faith with your life type of guy. If your life does not look like you love Jesus, don't bother asking for wisdom because you have not followed the wisdom that has already been given to you. Now, James will describe this person for us, and there are two main characteristics that this type of person— This type of person that that he's saying, don't bother asking God for wisdom. This this one foot in, one foot out person. He's going to describe him for us. And the two main characteristics that he has is this. He's directionless and he's unstable. This person is directionless and unstable. Listen to the rest of verse 6. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Now, these are not the type of waves, he's not describing the type of waves that just keep coming in and crashing on the shore. Those type of waves are consistent. They keep coming. They keep landing. No, no. This is a imagine a stormy sea where big gusts of winds are coming this way. Big gusts of wind are coming this way. And as the wave comes up, it's pushed one way. As the wave comes up again, it's pushed another way. It's totally directionless. That's what this type of doubting is. This type of doubter has no direction, none whatsoever. This is someone who wants wisdom from God one day and wisdom from the world the next day. This is somebody who has one foot on the up escalator and one foot on the down escalator. It's not going to go good. Practically speaking, this is someone who is asking God for wisdom and asking their community group for wisdom and also listening to their non-Christian friends who have no knowledge of the scriptures. Help me today. As a pastor... As a counselor, we experience this all the time. They, people will come to the church. They'll come to me as a pastor and ask for wisdom. I need help in this situation. And then that next Friday night, they're sitting around with their non-Christian friends who have no, no knowledge of the Bible at all, getting wisdom or getting answers from them. And their non-Christian friends who have no, no knowledge of the Bible are saying, Oh, girl, yeah, just, you just got to live your own truth and do your own thing. And, you know, you, you need to do what makes you happy. No, you don't. You need to obey the Word of God. Yeah. Verse 7, before I have to fire myself. Verse (laughs) 7. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, what is so interesting about this is this word in the Greek, which, again, I will not attempt to pronounce because I would only be embarrassing myself. This word, double-minded, this is the first time that this appears in, in Greek literature whatsoever. Most commentators believe that James actually made this word up to to convey this truth that he's trying to communicate with us. The word double-minded literally means in the Greek, having two souls. One foot in, one foot out. Having two souls, having two minds. A double-minded man is, is what he is talking about. Again, it sounds very much like James is copying from Big Brother Jesus' sermon notes. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Do you hear what James is saying? This is so important, so crucial as we're in our times of crisis and praying for wisdom. This is how we have to pray. Listen to this, doubt that produces a double life robs prayer of its power. Doubt, meaning I'm not sure that the way God is calling me to live is the right way. Meaning, I know God says this in his word, yet I'm going to do this anyway. That's doubt. That's a type of doubt. And that type of doubt produces a double life and it robs prayer. The prayer that you cry out to God when you're in the midst of crisis, when you're struggling, when you're in pain, and asking God for wisdom. That type of doubt robs that prayer of its power. What are we to make of this, church family? Let me, let me try to apply this text quickly. It's actually not a difficult task to do. The application is pretty clear, right? So, so I gave you the big idea. We just exegeted the text. My job now is to apply it, but the application is really simple, is it not? Here it is. Pray and ask God for wisdom. Pretty pretty plain. Pray and ask God for wisdom, knowing that the wisest thing to do is always that which would bring the most glory to God. So your prayer in your time of crisis, your prayer as you struggle, your prayer as you suffer sounds something like this. God, I'm hurting. God, I'm, I'm struggling, and I have no idea what to do. God, I need your wisdom. God, would you show me what to do in this situation that would bring you the most glory? That's how you pray. That's how you pray. You ask God to show you in a very messy in a very complicated, in a very difficult situation, the next step that you need to take that would bring him the most glory. Because it's not always clear. It's not always clear. I mean, what if if you're in a church and that church gets way off mission? Way off message, way off mission. What do you do? Do you stay and fight for the health of that church? Or for the sake of your family, do you leave and find a faithful Bible-preaching church? Well, that's a very complicated question. That's something that you would need to pray and ask God for wisdom. What about if you're in your community group and somebody says something that offends you? What do you do? Do you just forgive that person and move on? Right? Hey, they said something offensive. I'm going to forgive this person. They didn't know what they were saying. Or do you confront them because you don't want them to make the same mistake and hurt someone else? That's a very complicated situation. That's a situation to where you would need to pray and ask God for wisdom. Because in, it, in those two examples, either way could glorify God, could it not? It could. But discerning which way, we need help. We need help. And so God here says... He'll give you wisdom in that situation. I said it at the beginning. I'll say it again. Your hope in times of crisis is not that you will provide the solution. Weights off, pressures off. Take a deep breath this morning and let this wash over you. Your hope in times of crisis is not that you will provide the solution, but in God who gives Wisdom. You do not have all the answers. You do not need to. The pressure's off. It's okay to not be that impressive. You don't have to be impressive. How much time do we spend trying to be impressive? We don't have to be impressive. We have a God who's eager to give us wisdom. You have nothing to prove. The pressure is off. Your hope in life is not that you will get it right. Your hope is not that you will figure it out at any moment in your time of need. You can reach out to him, the God of infinite wisdom, because he is near. He will give you wisdom. He will tell you what to do next. Just let that wash over you and relieve you of fear and anxiety and uncertainty and doubt. Let it go. God's word is going to set somebody free this morning. Amen. You know what God is eager to do. He is eager to give you wisdom. Let's pray. God, let us begin with humility, knowing that we need wisdom in our times of need. Lord, as we struggle to believe that you use our suffering, as we struggle to believe that you are sovereign over our pain, give us wisdom. Lord, I pray now that you would pour out your wisdom on us. Lord, that we would examine our hearts and see if there is doubt that's leading to a double life. And Lord, that we would repent of that double life. And we would begin not to live as a double-minded man, but as a single-minded person fixed on the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, give us wisdom in our time of need. I ask these things in Jesus' name.
0: Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.